0: Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Health Forward podcast. Today's episode is a little different, and it's extra special to me. This week is National Infertility Awareness Week, and as many of you know, uh, my husband and I walked through about four years of an infertility journey, and this week and this time and people going through infertility are just extra close to my heart, and this week, in order to just bring Light and bring encouragement to those that might be walking through infertility or know someone walking through infertility. We have put together an infertility awareness panel, and I'm going to be joined today by three of my really great friends who have either walked through infertility in the past, like myself or who are currently walking through infertility. And so I'm just very happy to be able to bring this episode to you today. I hope that you find some encouragement from it, whether you are someone walking through infertility or you know someone walking through infertility. I just hope and pray that it's going to be an encouragement to you and just bring you more awareness about infertility and what it's like to experience it. If you know someone walking through infertility, please share this episode with them. As we talk about in the episode, it was so helpful for all of us to hear other people's stories, stories that would bring us hope, stories that would let us know that we're not alone. So if you know someone walking through infertility, please share this episode with them. Hey friends, I'm Elena Davis, your integrative health coach, and I'm so glad you're here. This is the Health Forward podcast where each week we will be talking about different things that move us forward toward a healthier and more fulfilling life. Thanks so much for listening in. Hi friends, welcome back to the Health Forward podcast. Today's show is a fun one and it's a little different because I actually have multiple Guest here with me, well, virtually here with me. In case you don't know, the week that this episode airs will be National Infertility Awareness Week. And I have three of my sweet friends here with me today that are either currently walking through infertility or have walked through infertility in the past, like myself. And they have graciously agreed to join me today. And really, we just want to share with you what it's like to experience infertility. And so we have two Rachels here with us, Rachel D. and Rachel Y., and we also have Kristen here. So friends, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Yeah, thanks thanks for having us.
0: So before we really jump into getting into any questions or anything, I would just love for each of you to briefly share a little bit of your fertility journey. And Rachel D., let's start with you. Okay,
1: well, I have been married to my husband, Jared, for about six and a half years, and we have been trying to get pregnant for about four years now. Um, I've always had good checkups at my gynecologist, so after about a year of trying, you know, they say that's when you should start asking questions and, you know, seeing your doctor. So I talked to my gynecologist, and she was like, well, the first thing we want to do is Check out your husband. She said a lot of times um, there can be problems on the male side. So we did that, and sure enough, Jared had low numbers. So he saw a fertility doctor that uh, my gynecologist had recommended, and he was like, okay, take this medicine for six months and come back. So we did that. The numbers were a little bit better, so he was like, okay, keep trying for six months and come back again. So at that point, we were pretty frustrated because another year had passed and really nothing was any different or we didn't really have Mm -hmm. any answers. Um, So then actually Elena told us about her acupuncture lady that she saw. So um, Jared started seeing her, and that was a huge blessing because we had been kind of like floundering around for two years at this point, Mm -hmm. not really knowing what to do next which was a big struggle um and the acupuncturist sarah was really good about saying here's what i think you should do like here's what some of my other patients have done so she recommended Mm -hmm. that jared uh, go ahead and see a urologist so we did that um you know everything looked okay just still low numbers um and again at this point i'm still continuing to have good gynecologist checkups. Um, So then I guess about a year ago or so, we were um, at kind of like a couple's weekend bachelor bachelorette party. And I got to talking to one of the girls and she had had trouble getting pregnant. And so we got to talking about that. And she was like, you have to go see my doctor. He is awesome. We love him. Like, He really helped us know what to do next. So we waited a couple months and finally called him and just thinking we would get an appointment for Jared. And they were like, Well, we really like to treat the female first just to make sure that everything's okay with you. And so Mm -hmm. I was like, That's cool. I've never had any problems. This will be a piece of cake. So (laughs) we waited three months to get in with him, which, you know, at this point, we've been waiting for over three years. So every month was like, just felt like forever. Um, so they did blood work on me and everything was pretty much normal. Some of my, uh, levels were a little bit low, but he was like, I really want to, um, do a surgery and check you for endometriosis. And I was like, what? That is crazy. There's no way I have endometriosis. Like I've never had any symptoms or really any problems. And so I put that off for a couple months thinking it was going to be a waste of money Mm -hmm, really. Um, so finally I was like, well, let's just go ahead and do that so we can kind of rule that out. And so I had the surgery and sure enough, I had, uh, like stage three endometriosis. Mm -hmm. It was everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was really shocked about that, but which, people have asked me how I felt about that. And I'm like, honestly, it was kind of a relief because it was answers to why we'd probably been having some trouble. So that was in January of this year. And so since then, we have done two rounds of IUIs, uh, both with Clomid. Um, The first one, my progesterone levels were still really low. Mm -hmm. So They upped my Clomid, and this last time, for the first time ever, my progesterone numbers looked good, so even though that one didn't work, right now we're just feeling a little more hopeful because they're getting my stuff where it needs to be, which is just crazy that we spent two and a half years thinking that it was just Jared's problem, and then turns out that I actually had a lot going on, too, so... With all the COVID going on right now, we're kind of at a stall, I guess. Sure. Just they're not doing a lot of things in office right now. But yeah, so we're just still. I'm going every few weeks for blood work and things like that.
0: Right. So. Right. Thanks for sharing that, Rachel. All right, Kristen, do you want to share a little bit?
2: Yes. So um, I've been married to my husband Josh for almost six years. And in 2015, we had our son, Easton. Um, It was a smooth pregnancy. There was no cause for any concerns whatsoever. So when he turned a year old, we decided that we wanted to try for another baby. And about six weeks in that pregnancy, I started having some complications. Um, My doctor said that, you know, it's pretty much normal to kind of do bed rest, try not to worry about it. Um, But then about nine weeks along, I ended up having a miscarriage uh, with an emergency DNC. Um, About a month later, I went to my post-op checkup and doctor pretty much gave us the green light that we could try again if we wanted to because there was no medical explanation for the miscarriage. And at that point, we were ready. We knew that we wanted you know, to try again. Mm -hmm. So a few weeks later, we found out that I was pregnant again. And we were pleasantly surprised and optimistic. Uh, But I started having the same complications again. And I went in for an ultrasound about a week before my second trimester. And that's when we found out that our baby no longer had a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. And so at this point, you know, I was feeling really just kind of fed up and I sure. had it already decided in my mind that I was going to have another DNC and just kind of move on. Um, but the doctor didn't recommend that. They actually wanted me to be induced at the hospital and just let you know nature take its course. So that's what we ended up doing. And um, I had a lot of physical pain from that. And I ended up having some health issues shortly after. Uh, some due to that miscarriage and some were not. And some that I'm still dealing with to this day. So by then, my husband and I decided that we probably were not going to try for another baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can imagine my surprise and mm-hmm. honestly some frustration when I found out in December 2019 uh, that I was pregnant again. And I was really scared because I was supposed to have, like, tests done and lab work done before ever getting pregnant again. Um So I ended up having the lab work done like literally three days after finding out that I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. And um, I tested positive for a blood clot disorder and the MTHFR gene mutation. Mm -hmm. And so the doctor said those were, you know, pretty good indication as to why I was having miscarriages. So I took all the medicines and the supplements and did all the things, but ended up having my third miscarriage at eight weeks along, had another DNC. And that was back in January. Mm. And so now we are just kind of moving forward and focusing on getting my health back to 100%. Mm. And absolutely just thanking the Lord every day that we have our son, because he has been such a huge source of joy through all of it. Mm. So, Mm. Yeah,
0: so hard. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. All right, Rachel, do you like to share? Sure. So
3: we got married in May of 2012. Uh, we started trying to have kids in September later that year. Um, we, I, you know, I talked to my doctor and she said to try for a year. So in, um, October of the next year, we went back and I started Clomid and they said to have him tested. We didn't have him tested right away because we just assumed that everything was fine. Mm -hmm. So we did Clomid for a couple months with no success. And then we had him tested. The Test results came back, and they said we needed to see a specialist, uh, which, stretched, which stressed me out for sure. Yeah, sure. sure. Yeah. Um, so we actually did not go see a specialist then. I just don't think I was mentally ready for that. So I think another year went by before we actually saw the specialist. Um, I think it scared me because – in my mind, that was our last resort. Mm -hmm. There was no more, okay, if this doesn't work, we still have this to try. Right. And so that, that was why we waited uh, for about a a year before I felt comfortable going. So we went and it just didn't go well. We, we got a list of things to um, start trying or for him to stop doing like dipping. <laughs> and all we did was just fight. When we yeah. left that doctor's appointment mm. for about the next week or two, all we did was fight. Mm. So I said, if we are going to stay married, then we are going to have to stop this. Like It's not good for our marriage yeah, or either one of us. So we, um, just did not go back to the specialist. So we just, we just kept trying each month. Mm-hmm. And when I say trying, we weren't, I wasn't, um, you know, taking my temperature or doing ovulation kits. I just was mindful of when I probably was ovulating. Mm-hmm. So, all in all, we tried for about four and a half years. And then in March of 2017, uh, we found out we were pregnant with our little miracle baby. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I say it's a miracle because on paper we should not have been able to get pregnant on our own. Um, and you know, I didn't, I didn't have any, any real complications with that pregnancy other than just being sick the whole time. Um, and then we had her in October of
0: 2017.
3: Yes. So that's where we are,
0: where we are now. Yes. For those of you that don't know, um, Rachel's daughter, Maggie, and my daughter, Remy, are – is it three days or four days? Three days. Three Three days days apart. Um, So Rachel and I actually found out that we were pregnant um, with just within a couple weeks of each other. And so that's a whole other story and um, just absolute kind of God thing and miracle in itself um, because Rachel and I really walked through a lot of our infertility journey together and – Thankfully, God gave us each other through that because that is that is definitely yes. one of the harder parts of walking through infertility is feeling that feeling of being alone, and so um, we we all know that feeling I think very well. And even though all of our stories are different as far as the details of causes and um, how long we went through it, or if we're still going through it, or you know whether we already have children or we don't have them yet you know I think there's so many common threads just for um anyone walking through this kind of thing and especially as women, you know I we carry this men obviously carry a burden of infertility as well and that could be a whole other episode that maybe we'll do one day but as women I think you know we very uniquely carry this weight and burden of feeling like, This is something our bodies are supposed to do. This is something we're supposed to know how to do. And when it's not happening, it feels – we feel very responsible for that. And that can just be really hard. And that's one of the reasons that I wanted to do this episode is because I feel like those are things that we just don't really talk about a lot because they are hard to talk about and they're hard to understand unless you have walked through something or walked through it Uh, walked through something similar or you've been very close to someone walking through it and you've been able to kind of see it up close. And so we just kind of wanted to give you a peek into this um, firsthand so that if you are going through it yourself or if you know someone um, that's going through it, you are able to understand a little better. So let's talk a little bit about what we feel is the most difficult part And I know that there's so many things to choose from. And so maybe it's not the most difficult part, but one of the things that you feel is just really, really difficult about experiencing infertility.
1: Well, I think you've already kind of touched on that. And I think it's just the loneliness of it. Um, Because like you said, unless someone has been through it or been close to someone going through it, it's like you feel like nobody really understands the daily yes. struggle that it is because I mm-hmm. I was probably guilty of being a little bit judgy probably isn't the right word um, of people going through infertility I thought what's the big deal once a month you have your period and you're not pregnant and then you know you just go about your business but um, I think that's why it feels so lonely it's because people don't realize it's like a daily right. thing that you deal with
2: right For sure. I think for me, it was uh, my husband and I, we actually, before we were even engaged, we both uh, decided that we were going to have four kids and we already picked out names and we were just so gung ho about being parents. And so now just kind of knowing that our dreams of having multiple children are probably not going to come true for us. That's been really difficult for us and Mm -hmm. for, you know, my son Easton to not, have any siblings right now is it's been a struggle Mm -hmm.
0: for sure
3: I would agree with the feeling alone Um, you know I was blessed to kind of go through it with Elena and have her there to talk to and you know get our feelings out Um, but I think one of the biggest struggles for me was just all of the emotions and what a roller coaster it was Mm -hmm. you know it's the balance between how you feel and how you think you should feel and it Mm -hmm. was just a daily battle Mm -hmm. in my head of being happy for others when they would announce that they were pregnant to then being jealous to Mm -hmm. feeling sorry for myself and our situation to being hopeful that it would happen to us and you know everything in in between so I just felt like it was just Mm -hmm. such an emotional roller coaster the whole time
0: yeah yeah I, for sure. And I, I would agree with all of those things. I think that, you know, I think the kind of the bottom line of what each of you said is just that mental, like the mental emotional battle that it is every day. It's like, you know, Rachel said that, you know, it's not just this like once a month disappointment. It's this, it's a daily disappointment because you're not pregnant or you're feeling like, for me, a lot of it was like, um, I need to know everything and I need to do everything exactly perfectly right. And so it was just this yeah. like crazy amount of pressure that I put on myself and then being disappointed with myself because I would feel like I had failed or I had not done it correctly or really just frustrated with my body that my body wasn't doing what I thought it should do. And, um, I couldn't make it do that. And then, you know, the same with the, um, seeing other people and, kind of that comparison trap that all of us fall into just every day. Normally walking through infertility, just it lights that on fire of seeing other people, you know, getting pregnant or seemingly getting pregnant so easily. And, you know, in hindsight, we realize we don't know everyone's story, but in that moment, like there's, there's very little logic that's happening. It's very much um, emotional. And so just kind of that daily fight of like trying to have the right mindset, but everything in you pulling you away from that. So let's talk about what are some of the things that have helped each of you cope and navigate through this season? Maybe it's things that uh, either friends or family have done to help you, or maybe it's things that you've done for yourself that have helped or resources you found. It can kind of be anything, but what's one of the things that you have found that really helps you through this time?
1: Um, I started keeping a gratitude journal mm-hmm. a couple years ago, just to help me look for the positive every day. Um, cause sometimes that's hard to do. Yeah. Um, And then once we kind of opened up about what was going on with us to people and like people became aware of it because it kind of took us a while to, I guess, kind of let people know what we were dealing with because it's kind of an awkward and weird thing to know when or how to bring it up. Um, once people knew about it, um, some of my lowest days I would get, quote unquote, random texts from people with just, Hey, how's it going? Or just, um, a verse or just, Hey, praying for you today. And, mm-hmm. um, so those always really helped me because it seems like they came at just when I needed them. People right. would just reach out just to let me know, like, Hey, we're in this with you. And that yeah. was really helpful.
2: Yeah. Um, for me, I have, a. When I had my first miscarriage, I was just in like a grief that I never felt before. And I was kind of in that why me state of mind, you know? And so I know that I could have used that to either drive a wedge between my relationship with me and the Lord, or I could use it to grow our relationship with Him. Mm-hmm. And just learning to trust Him in each season, um, I had two verses that I tried to cling to as much as I could. Um, first one being Psalm 56, eight, which says you keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. And then the ever popular Romans eight twenty eight. we know that all things work together mm-hmm. for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And those were really great reminders that, you know, our pain has a purpose. Um, yeah. I also had, I tried to surround myself with a support system, just a group of people that I could trust, that I could go to. Um, My biggest supporter was definitely my husband because he, you know, walked through all of it with me. And um, Mm -hmm. eventually, I ended up making a memory box that I keep here at the house. And it's got all the ultrasound pictures that I ever got. Um, I wrote a letter to each baby. I also have a mm-hmm. little hospital bracelet that they gave me with my second miscarriage. It's got like the date and the time on it. And um, mm-hmm. there's a book that I read that I really liked. It's called Empty Arms by Pam Vredevelt. I think I'm pronouncing that wrong, but it's spelled V-R-E-D-E-V-E-L-T. Um, and that was okay. uh, super encouraging. It's full of scripture and it was it was just really good for me.
0: We'll make sure we link to that in the show notes as well. Uh,
3: one thing that, um, a friend, um, said that I really just kept repeating to myself. Um, she said that God has given me the desire to become a mother for a reason. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't an accident that I was longing for it, you know, whether that meant having a baby on my own or adopting or fostering you know he gave you he gave me that desire
1: mm-hmm.
3: and for some reason that was just always comforting to me i remember praying god if you don't want me to have a baby please take away that desire yeah. or open my heart up to other possibilities or avenues to become a mother yeah um i also listen to a lot of worship music mm-hmm. Um, I loved, you know, Sovereign Over Us, where he says, your, pran- your plans are still to prosper. Mm-hmm. You've not forgotten us. You're with us in the fire and the flood. Mm-hmm. Um, even when it hurts, uh, by Hillsong, yeah. you know, it says, even when my strength is lost, I'll praise you. Uh, even when it's hard to find the words louder than I'll sing your praise, you know, just things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just repeat truths. Uh, to myself over and over about God's sovereignty and his love for me, and just pro- proclaim them daily. My sister used to say that to me all the time. You, you know, what do you know is true? You know, just you need to keep telling yourself things that are true. Yeah. You know, his ways are better than my ways, his will be done. He has not forgotten me. And when I would forget, I would just start all over mm-hmm. and I would have to just repeat it to myself again. You know, that's not to say there weren't days where I just couldn't. You know, there were days that I was mad and hurt and just broken, but I think it's okay to feel like that. Yeah. You know, that hope is still there and our hope mm-hmm. is still in God, even in the
0: dark times. Right. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. And he can handle that. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I would I would agree with that. I think for me, it was finding someone, a couple of people that I could talk to and I knew that I could text even my worst feelings and thoughts and knowing that God could handle them. Yes. But also having people that kind of were in my, my tribe that I knew that even if they didn't get it, even if they didn't experience it themselves, they still knew me and knew my heart and knew that like I was safe with them to vent the way that I needed to and say the things that I needed to and, there wouldn't be any judgment from them, but they would lovingly point me back in the direction that I needed to go. And they would lovingly point me to the truth. And um, that was so helpful for me, especially on my worst days. And then also, yeah, same with worship. I had several playlists that I would just play all the time. (laughs) And it would be, um, you know, in the morning on my way to work and in the afternoon on my way home. And um, I would just have to kind of keep that truth in front of myself and keep reminding myself of those things over and over because you know sometimes during that time like I remember days that I felt like I couldn't even pray I couldn't read my bible like I just there was nothing I had nothing in me that could do anything or feel like I could reach out even um but knowing that those truths were there that they could kind of pour into me um that was that was super helpful for me too So let's flip it a little bit and talk about what are some of the things that people have said to you um, that has made it more difficult for you. I think this is important for people to know – I think even some of the most meaningful, best intentioned things that people can say can be so hurtful and they have no idea. And so let's just share a little bit about that. Um, and it can be serious or it can be kind of silly, whichever. But um, what are some of those things? Um, well, we
1: had one person tell us that we were being selfish, that we should just adopt because mm-hmm. we were wasting our time and resources, doing all this fertility treatment, which like Rachel Young said, I mean, maybe at some point that's going to be where we are, but right now that's not Mm -hmm. what's on our hearts. Um, and then unsolicited advice. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, I know that people mean, well, like you said, people think that, you know, when you have a problem, people want to try to offer ways Mm -hmm. to fix it, but I mean, if you're going through this, you've read everything on the internet. You've read books. Right. You've you know, talked to other people who have gone through it. And so at this point, you've tried everything. And it just, I know they mean well, but um, I would rather just someone say, yeah, that really sucks. Or okay. I'm praying for you instead of trying to offer
2: advice. Sure. Yeah. Um, I know for us, we had, people say well at least you are only so and so weeks along or at least it happened you know early on and it to me it's it doesn't matter like when it happens a miscarriage during you know any part of your pregnancy it still hurts and it's still real grief um you know and so comments like that that's definitely not helpful
3: yeah I think when, when people would post pregnancy announcements, which in and of itself, you know, could get to you, but people would comment that Mm -hmm. children are a blessing from God. Yes, I completely understand, Mm -hmm. you know, where they're coming from with that, but it always made me think, well, then why is God not blessing me? You know, I'm begging for this and I'm not getting a baby. Mm -hmm. What have I done wrong, and why am I being punished? I also didn't like yeah. when people would say, "Well, mm-hmm. you can just always adopt, you know, like Rachel d, said, yes, I know that. You know, it's like people think they're giving you brand new information. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, obviously that that is an avenue, but in that moment, it's not very it's not very helpful. Right. or um, you know, people would say, it'll happen when you least expect it. So just stop worrying about it and then it'll yeah. happen. And it's like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll <sighs> just stop worrying about right. it and I'll stop thinking about it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know where they're, you, I mean, you know they're intent with it, but it's like there's sure. there's not a switch that you can just right. turn off.
0: Yes.
3: So those were just some things that kind of got to yes. me. They, and they were, you know, good intention,
0: but it right. hurt. Yeah, for sure. I, I have some very similar ones. I think I think two of the most frustrating for me were, um, things happen for a reason. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, that one was just hard because it's like I know, I know that I know things happen for a reason, but that does not make this any easier. Uh, it almost makes it worse. Like, oh, yeah. so God's intentionally hurting me. Great, awesome, yeah. thank you for that. Yeah. Um, even though I knew that wasn't true, that that's the feeling that that kind of comment would elicit. And then also the same, um, as you said, Rachel, about like, oh, just relax. Like, it happens when you least expect it. Like, you're just too stressed. You need to relax. And when you relax, it'll happen. It's like, really? Like, okay. (laughs) So I've done all this research. I've done – I've read all the science. I've been to my fertility specialist. I've done all the things, thousands of dollars worth of surgery. But I just need to relax. Okay. Okay. (laughs) that's helpful um yeah those would make me so mad and again we don't say any of this to make you feel bad if any of you have said these things this is just to help you in the future know that the things that you say that you mean to help sometimes do not they make it worse so just be mindful of that um so let's move on to if you had one thing that you would want people to know about experiencing infertility? If you could just help them understand one thing, what would that one thing be?
1: Um, I think, again, just the biggest thing is that it is something that I deal with daily, not just Mm -hmm. once a month, not just when I'm at the doctor, but it's a daily thing. So if, you know, you're a part of my life, it's okay to talk to me about it just like you would um, anyone else who was experiencing some sort of medical problem. You know, it's okay to ask about it because I'm thinking about it every day.
2: Sure. Um, In my case where, you know, I already have a child, I feel like people think, oh, you know, it's not that hard. You already have one or, um, you know, they don't think that mm-hmm. the grief is still real and it is especially, you know, right when you have these these thoughts of having more children and it's not happening for you and regardless if someone has mm-hmm. one child or 10 children the grief of losing, you know, a baby yeah. is it's still hard, it's still very real.
3: Yeah, for sure. I would um, agree with Rachel in that you know it is something that we deal with daily and it's something that we struggle with daily and so just being mindful of the conversations that that you're having with someone going through infertility um but also just to keep praying praying for people going through it you know you you know if you're face to face with someone that's going through it you're thinking about it right then but then you go on about your day and when you're going through it 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 consumes you And so I think just, you know, continually praying for someone going through it and, you know, going out of your way to send a text or um, a phone call or something, you know, just to see how they're doing, just just checking up on them. Um, I think that goes a long way.
0: For sure. Yeah. I think one of the things that I would really want people um, to understand is that, you know, infertility It's loss. There's something that you've held on to and that you've planned for and that you're dreaming about that is taken away from you. And I think sometimes that before you ever have kids when you're going through infertility, you kind of you already feel like a mom in your heart. Because you've already thought of these kids. And, you know, like Kristen said, like they named their kids before they were ever even married. Like you have all these dreams and thoughts and plans. And it's not only grieving that you're not pregnant that month. It's grieving the loss of all of those things, grieving this life that you thought you were going to have that you don't. And -hmm. I think that's across the board for anybody dealing with Mm Um, primary infertility or secondary infertility or pregnancy loss or anything like that. You know, I just think that's important to know is that there are so many similarities there. And when you're thinking about people that are grieving, just to know that even though the losses don't look the same, they're all still very heavy, deep, hurtful losses. And so when you're talking about these things, just being mindful of that, and being mindful how your words are affecting people going through that. So, for someone that's walking through infertility right now, what are some words of encouragement that you would want to share with them?
1: Um, I mean,
0: I'm still currently going through
1: it, and one thing that I read a few. I guess probably about a year ago, is that God is never late. Um, and that's something I have to remind myself because sometimes I feel like He's fallen asleep on the job and mm-hmm. forgotten about me. But um, that's not true. He's never late. And I think people really do love you and care about you. And if you haven't shared what you're going through with your friends or your family, you should do it sooner rather than later because that can make all the difference in the world, having people going through yeah. it with you.
2: It's good. Yeah. Um, I think as women or as moms, we can easily feel guilty that our bodies aren't getting pregnant or staying pregnant. And I know personally, it's easy to kind of make that your identity mm-hmm but that is not who you are. You are not your infertility. You are not your miscarriages. Uh, You are extremely valued and loved by God. And through him, we always have hope. Yeah.
3: So it's good. I would say to know that you're not alone and talking about your struggles and your experience can help more than you think. You You know, just find someone with a, similar story or journey and just talk. I loved hearing other people's journey and their perspectives. Um, It's just, and it's good to let your feelings and frustrations out with someone who can relate to what you're going through. Mm. Um, Even if you don't know someone that's going through the same type of situation that you are, just talking to close friends would help me, you know, just getting it out there and off your chest. I know, when I would feel frustrated and I would hold all those feelings in that they will come out. Yeah. And usually it's an explosion of feelings. And usually it was directed at my husband. Yeah. So yeah, I just think, um, you know, having those one or two um, really good friends and support system um, just helps so much more than you realize.
0: Yes. So much. That's so good. Absolutely. And I think having that for ourselves as women having a a close group of of other women that we can talk to and then also encourage your husbands to do the same you know this is it's hard for them too and they handle it so differently and it affects them so differently Um, but encouraging them to have you know a couple guys that they can go to and talk to and however it is that they need to express that frustration but to get it out because as we've alluded to a couple times now Um, infertility is very, very hard on marriages and, um, in so many aspects, but, you know, I think for, that is one thing that can really help both of you is that, you know, you're definitely in this together. You're definitely a team, but you also need some people to, to support you and hold you up outside of that too. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to share something that, um, I heard, I don't even remember where I heard it, but it was, um, I know it was by Lisa Turkhurst, but early on in my infertility journey, I was listening to her speak and she said that, um, one thing that she always tried to preach to herself was that God is good, that God is good at being God and God is good to me good to her and good to me. And that is something that I have repeated to myself over and over and over because as believers, you know, I think we have this idea in our heads that this is something that should not happen to us, Um, which is we've all learned to be completely untrue. But, you know, that is definitely one of the lies that the enemy puts in our minds of, well, if God loved you. He would not do this to you. He must be mad at you. He must be punishing you. You must have done something to deserve this, or God just doesn't really care, or he's not as powerful as his Word says he is, or, you know, you can't trust him. And I think, um, like we've said a couple of times, just reminding yourself of things, you know, to be true. And that was just one of the phrases that God is good. God is good at being God and God is good to me. Friends, Rachel, Kristen, Rachel, thank you so much for joining me for this today. I know that, um, talking about that, this is difficult. It's difficult even for me years later of, um, just, it kind of reopens it all. And it's hard to talk about, especially when you're, you're still going through it and it's so, um, recent and raw, but I think that I can speak for all of us and say that, um, you know we really hope that this episode helps people just to understand a little bit more what walking through infertility is like and it, we all just have this heart for this and if you are someone listening that's walking through this we know how difficult this road is and we want you to know that you're not alone and if you're someone who is um if you know someone who is struggling with infertility take what we've said today Um, reach out to that person, call them, send them a text, leave them flowers on their porch, send them coffee, do something that you can to just let them know that they are seen, that they're loved, and that you are there to support them however they need you to. And then also share this podcast as well. If you know people going through infertility, um, share this with them because just like Rachel said, um, it is helpful often to hear of other people going through it and their experience and their perspective, and um, you know, this could be something that could really encourage them. So, please share this, and we do thank you for being here and for listening today. Um, we're praying for you, and we hope that you find the support and encouragement that you need. We'll see you next time, guys. Please remember that the content in this episode is not to be considered as medical advice and is only intended as general health information. Thanks so much for listening in today. See you back here next week for another episode of the Health Forward Podcast.